friends, and welcome to Pod Return to the Waking Sands. We are a Final Fantasy XIV companion podcast where we explore the lore and story of Hydaelyn and beyond. My name is Jen, and I'm joined by my co-host and researcher. I'm Levi. Hi, Levi. How's it going? How are you as a person? I'm tired from having to hoof it in the snow to go grocery shopping yeah. so I could make the sandwich basket tomorrow. Yeah, doing some uh, Final Fantasy XIV cookbooking. Yeah. There's some good shit in that cookbook, you guys. It's, are, it's, it's good. It's yeah. all good shit. Yeah, it's all very good and totally accessible. You know, Jen, I was going through my crafting backlog and trying to clear some junk off my retainers, like crab claws and, and crap. Oh, yeah. Oh, totally. So I made the crab balls earlier on today. Crab balls. Remember those? The um the crab croquettes? Oh, shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because the recipe calls for crab and tofu and some other stuff, deep fried, obviously. Mm-hmm. True to form, though, the in-game recipe also calls for the same stuff. You know, so it, it is also a crab croquette with tofu in the in-game recipe, too. Probably a, a popito or two. Maybe. Uh, I don't think there's celery in-game, but um, some some kind of herb well thank goodness they don't make you get every single ingredient they almost do uh, from a culinarian perspective those recipes are ridiculous yeah they are a big pain to gather ingredients for but at least i don't have to go and track down like every single little thing every herb and spice that goes in there is not replicated in the in-game recipe (laughs) true you know what I wish they had in game is where like, okay, here's all the shit that I have in my inventory. What can I make out of this? And then it would give you, here are all the recipes you can make right now with the stuff you have in your inventory. What good would that do though, exactly? If I've just, like you said, I've got a bunch of random crap and I'm not, you know, you can click on every single thing and say, show me recipes that involve this, but then you might have just the one and then four other ingredients you don't have. So what I want is something that that, that looks through my entire inventory and says, oh, you have enough stuff to make this. The only real benefit, though, to doing this is if you want, like, the achievement items for creating um, X number of recipes. Because when you create certain numbers of items for certain trades, then you get an achievement which gives you gear, which is just for the glamours. It's not going to give you stats that you care about at this point in time. But if you want, like, a fancy frying pan, for instance then you can make some number of culinarian recipes, probably like 200 something. And then you get the, the Chivo frying pan. Which is great. Um, anyway, onto the current topic. Mm-hmm. Today we are talking about the conclusion to the Sylph storyline. Yeah, at least this chunk of the Sylph storyline. There will be more Sylphs in the future. There will, yeah, but this is the big one. But first though, what happened last time, Jen? Uh, that was the uh, segment one of this of the Sylph story. So we were asked to act as a, a medium, as a, as a mediator between the Sylphs and uh, technically like the people of Gridania, um, as like a, as a scion, as a neutral third party to facilitate communications and, and figure out what it is, if anything, they have planned for their Lord Ramu, um, which... Uh, they had apparently summoned before, and so they just, you know, the Saiyans were just keeping keeping tabs because um, they've got they've got like Garuda over here in the wings, which is a potentially big issue. But if we can make sure that the Sylphs 
and the or at least the alliance between the Sylphs and the Gridanians is on solid ground, we can kind of cross that off the list and then, you know, focus on important shit. So we uh, we had, you know, to go out there. We had to learn some some customs on how to greet Sylphs and how to interact with them uh, to to open up that line of communication. So that's what we did, trying to get in touch with the Elder. And apparently the Elder had gone missing. So we, uh, at the end of the last episode, we were just starting our hunt for the Elder. Right. In pursuit of the Elder, we had headed down to South Shroud, the um, the southern zone in the Black Shroud Forest, of course, to Buscaran's Druthers, mm-hmm. which is a tavern opened up by the former wood whaler Buscaran. Yep. Seeing an easy mark slash adventurer who has nothing going on right now, nothing important, he has roped us into doing some chores for him. So the first thing we got to do is to de-escalate a rowdy drunk with a bucket of cold water. Fun. Like, okay, well, we do that. We find a mead-soaked Midlander outside, picking a fight with a dusk white. We dunk him and he heads out. Yeah, so we stop the hate crime. There also are several side quests that pop up here as well, if you're so inclined. The ones here are better than most. Did you explore any, Jen? I did not. There is a notable side quest where you check in on an expedition party at the entrance to Isam Har, which is a big hole in the ground not too far away from the Druthers. Oh, I remember that. I did that on my first playthrough. Because yeah. you, you'll walk by that fucking pit all the time and wonder, what are, what are they doing? Well, these are Gelmoran ruins that opened up during the Calamity. Ah. And you can peek inside down the hole and see a big cave supported by mossy pillars. Cool. This is the entrance to the Palace of the Dead deep dungeon that we'll be back to explore later on. One of the expedition party members, though, a Dusk White named Rolandai, ropes us into collecting nearby potsherds for his research. Cool. He's, he's trying to restore this place to its former functionality so that the scattered dusk whites can have somewhere to call home. That is a grand ambition. All right, get after it. It's like him and one other person. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Got to start somewhere. All right. Also, not as cool as the Gubu and Thanalan, but there is a nearby treant that has died and is returning to the earth. It's half buried in the soil and is becoming overgrown. And one of the Druthers patrons has you collect offerings to leave at the Treant. Aww. They say it was unable to bear the changes wrought by the Calamity, and so withered away. Oh, that's so sad. Hmm, I'm glad I didn't do that one. (laughs) Poor thing. But now time for the big errand, though, for Buscaran. This is the main story side quest. Jesus, this, this fucking thing. Didn't we, we, oh, this is, this is, this is bordering on the level of ridiculousness we, we had in the Arcanist uh, story, where yes. we, we talked to a person and then talked to a person and then talked to a person and talked to a person. Uh, I don't know, maybe this guy will know. You go to that guy. I don't know, maybe that guy will know. You go to that guy. I don't know. You know, they have trimmed down the A Realm Reborn MSQ before, trying to reduce the barrier to entry for new players. Mm-hmm. And this whole segment here is a perfect candidate for just excising it entirely. Yep. It doesn't do jack shit. You could yeah. literally you could cut out at least two of these trips. I think I think two. You just go just go straight to Aleport, talk to the one guy. Oh yeah, Tataroon, he's up at that trading post in Oakwood. 
Done. Fucking done. But, but no. No. You have to fucking, who do you have to talk to? Okay, so, um, well, who, who are we trying to find? One, we're trying to find Buscarone's uh, old friend, Tetaroon. And he was a Kakirin who was injured uh, during the Calamity. And, um, so Buscarone found him, nursed him back to health. And for a while, this guy was, um, helping Buscarone around the tavern and, uh, the little village there. And then eventually decided, as, you know, Kakirans do, I, I have this need for shinies. I gotta go find my shinies. Um, so he left to try to make a life for himself. Like, good for you, man. But what, uh, Tetrun had done was he left a pair of his earrings behind and he was really fond of these earrings. And Buscaron was like, I really need you to give these back to him. Also tell him, tell him hi and I uh, hope he's doing well. I really have no idea where he ended up. So we have to talk to a guy who might know, and then that person doesn't know, but he knows somebody who might know. So we go talk to the person who might know so to talk to somebody who might know. The people that you're skipping over, since uh, it still is main story content. Sorry. And- <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. We, we go talk to, um, so we, we talk to uh, Ben Singh. Yeah, in Hawker's Alley in Limsa Lamensa. Which makes sense, right? Because, you know, like, Kikirin's, he wanted to be a merchant. Uh, Hawker's Alley seemed like a good place to start. So we talked to Ben Singh. And who says, I I don't know, but he did work with, um, he's a, a kin of Tetarun, and that's the that's the Kikirin that's hanging on Hawker's Alley all the time. That's um, Kyokirun. Yeah. So we go talk to him, and he's like, hello. Hello, customer. Oh, wait, you're not a customer? Get the fuck out of my face. He's, he's nicer than that, but it's it's very, like, if you're not buying anything, stop wasting my time. Um, Luckily, Ben Singh had given us an egg, so a we, we give chicken egg. We give him a chicken egg, and he's like, "Woo, chicken egg!" I've not seen a chicken yet, by the way. I, right? Where the fuck? Also, chicken breast, chicken breast, and chicken egg. I just recently, as a culinarian, you did chicken breast. I'm like, who do I have to kill to get a chicken breast? I still have to look that up. Anyway, um, <laughs> so at that point, you know, the wheels are greased, and now we can talk to a Kyokurun, and he said, "Yeah." Uh, He's um he's on the hunt for sparklies, as they say. Um, and he's working. He's definitely working at a trading post. Definitely a trading post. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, that trading post would be I don't know. Um, so you check. Um, you know what? Go to uh. Aleport. No, no, no. Before that, uh, he <laughs> yeah. Oh right, the we ferryman. Gotta, we gotta talk to the ferryman. Well, we talked to a friend of the ferryman. <laughs> we talked to Weinberg. His name is Weinberg. We go to talk to him at the ferry docks, and he says, "No, don't know, <laughs> but I know someone who might know." And he's in Aleport, and my buddy here, the ferryman, can take you there. And so we go to Aleport, and then we talk to another Rogaden dude in Aleport. Um, I'm like, "Fucking get these people link pearls or something." This is like trying to find the whereabouts of a person before before the age of pagers and cell phones. So it's like, you know, trying to, like, where's my mom? All right, I got to call my mom's office, speak to her secretary. Did she leave a forwarding number? No. Well, then we're shit out of luck. Then we have to get the police involved. Otherwise, we just have to wait for her to come home. This is where we're at. So the row in Limsa, no, the row in Aleport, Adelfoot, Adelfet. He, he went north to Oakwood. There's a, uh, a trading post up there. Right. Fucking finally. This is in Upper Lanosia. This is kind of an odd zone. It's the mm-hmm. first time we've been here in the main story. The whole place is split into two sections by Bronze Lake with accessible land on the east and west sides. 
until recently, the only way across was by ferry, but the devs just made the lake swimmable. So now you can skip the ferry if you're really cheap. Ha! Wow. If, if you want to save a few gil, you can just swim across the lake now. Well, that's good. It, it always seemed weird that you couldn't, you could only get here through walking through um, Aleport. Like you had to walk through Aleport and up the, the thing past Sestasha. Um, well, no, because there, there's no etherite there. There's an, an etherite on the east side. This is the section with all the stone ruins. And if you leave that etherite area, which is by a hot springs, then you can head down to the ferry docks on the east side of the lake. And then you can pay like 40 gil to take the ferry across to the west side. Which, honestly, I had no fucking idea. Never done that. I've always just gone to Aleport and then walked. Walked north. But anyway, though, Bronze Lake, it used to be higher, as in like have a higher water level. But during the Calamity, of course, mm -hmm. fissures opened up underground and they drained part of the lake's waters. And this revealed these white, gray overgrown well probably not overgrown then overgrown now stone ruins that now cluster all over the lake area and these are the ruins of the ancient city of nim cool we're gonna go and check this out in great detail later on in the msq and also during the scholar job quest oh looking forward to that yeah yeah but on the west side though the west of the lake it's a very overgrown area, and this is where we can find Mimaroon's trading post. Mimaroon? What would you call a Memaroon? Memaroon, yeah. I like Mimaroon. Okay. That's weird. That's okay. Thank you. We find him, though, at the trading post, which is a market stall beneath a boulder that looks like a Kikern's rat head. <laughs> and there's a collection of crates and barrels all around it, and a handful of Kikern, including, at last, Tetaroon. So we got crates, we got barrels. Do we have any like pottery or barns? Pottery, yes. Barns, not yet. Okay. <laughs> I get the joke, Jen. Okay, Thank all you. right. I'm sorry. <laughs> it was very stupid. Okay. So we give him we give him the earrings, and he's like, "Oh, they're from Buscaron. Oh man, I miss my I miss my pal. I miss my my friend Buscaron." Um, and and Jen, you forgot. Tetarun says. He swore he would never forget about the earrings, but never forget forgot. Yeah, it's really cute. I forgot about the not forgetting part. <laughs> so he's very happy to have the earrings back, of course. And he's happy to have news about his friend Buscaron. And he's, throughout our interactions with Tetaroon, he's just offering, you know, profusive, make sure you say thanks. Give him, give him my thinkies. Thankies, thankies, thankies. Ooh, I know what I could do. I could make him some fire water. Some of my famous Kakirin firewater. Um, help me get ingredients for it. So that's what we do. We have to kill a couple of uh, curl pups and get their whiskers. I have no idea what fucking curl whiskers can do to produce firewater, but. It's an infusion, Jen. It's about the flavor. Okay, so whiskers apparently are spicy or, or full of sugars. Maybe they're That musty. can be turned into. Like, who knows? Anyway, curl whiskers are essentially a fruit of Eorzea. Uh, and you mash them and ferment them, make some fire water. Showing off your Western-centric taste here, Jen. I guess, but regardless of all the things he could have asked us to get, it's whiskers. Crucial crucial ingredient for fire water. For kikern fire water. For kikern fire water. 
so he makes it and uh, says, give this to Buscarone with my thanks once again and tell him to sell it for a year. Um, it'll taste it'll taste better that way. Great. So we take it back to Buscarone. I'm like, oh, your friend Tedruin made you some fire water. And he's he gets all emotional. It's like, oh, man, I miss my little kid here buddy. And this is so nice for him to make. I, he knows how much I love this stuff. And um, oh, gosh, I miss him. And, you know, who's cutting onions back here? And then he tells us to come back in a year to enjoy the drink with him. It's so nice. Absolutely. But fortunately, we don't have to wait a year to proceed with this quest. (laughs) While we were away, some sylphs were indeed sighted by sheer coincidence in the area, which is odd since they usually don't go this far away from the Lark's Call Sylphwood. Yep. So we make a sweep of the area to look for them, and we do find not sylphs, but some imperial soldiers. Uh, We head back to Buscaron, and he tells us that there shouldn't be any imperials down here. The Gordanian watchtowers should have spotted them, unless there's a spy helping them sneak past. Mm Mm-hmm. Yep, we're talking about a Gordanian traitor. He has had a patron that has been spending lots of money. And he wasn't sure where the money came from. Right. This, this, is, is, this is a guy that could barely afford soup. And now he's just like getting all the, the high dollar stuff. He's dropping fat stacks to buy top shelf mead. Suspish. So let's go find him. Have a little chat. Before we start, though, another side quest pops up right now. Um, this feels like this should have been an MSQ step, honestly. The inverse of the last bit, which felt side questy. Hmm. Because one of Buscaron's patrons says that we should get the word out to the local poachers that there are Imperials nearby, an enemy of my enemy type thing. Right. And also, if you've done the Archer quest line, we'll recall that Buscaron has a live and let live arrangement with the local poachers in South Shroud. Yep. So we go around and we tip off the Curl Claw and the Red Belly Gangs that there are Imperials here. Then we head back. That, I agree. That abso- absolutely should have been part of the MSQ because that, that ties itself up real nicely in like the next scene. Yeah. Because it, it was uh, like, who are these people? I assumed they were whalers at first, but no, they were poor, uh, red bellies and, and curl claws. Yep. Um, but anyway, we're getting ahead of ourselves a little bit. Uh, so now we were approaching this guy, Laurentius. He's, um, he is a wood whaler. We were like, hey, man, what's going on? He's, and he's looking very sketchy. He's looking around. He's kind of shaky. He's like, uh, I'm on patrol. Leave me alone. And he runs away. That's weird. So I'm going to follow you. Literally like 30 feet away. He's he's looking at some boxes of contraband and talking to himself. Yeah. What are you doing, loud. guy? <laughs> exactly. Uh, and he's just, we're just standing there. Uh, and as he's, as he's talking, he's like, uh, um, man, the Empire pays a lot for patrol routes and rations. Like, okay, well, that's. Trader, trader clue number one. If only the whalers would pay their men more, blah, 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 blah. Uh, but then he sees us and freaks out and is like, hark, hark, caw-caw, caw-caw, I need some help over here. And uh, a couple of, you know, girlians come out to fight us. One Imperial shows he- up. <laughs> it's this poor fucking guy. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, oh, uh, I'm here for you, Laurentius. And... We dispatch him immediately, and then Laurentius is uh, scared again. This guy has no, just he's shaking. What a pathetic loser! So we run off after him yet again, and this time it seems like well he's on his own, and he feels a little bit more cornered. He's like, "Fine, <sighs> confess. I just I did it for the money, okay? 
you know, the whalers, they, they pay, they pay nothing. And I was just literally, I, I'm only in it for the money. All I, you know, like we heard this before. Brillo had a douchebag, humongous or whatever his name was. Like, yeah, we've heard, we've heard that story before. I feel like that's not, um, that's not true. <laughs> Lo and behold, it isn't true. Cause he starts laughing to himself. Ha 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 ha. Uh, looks like you're the one who's been ambushed. And uh, he calls out for more Garlean backup. And I brought the Lollafell bitch. But in your case, I'm sure I brought the Elizin fucko. The Elizin bastard. Yep. So um, you hear a voice behind us and a couple of dudes walk up. And this is where I was like, oh, look, it's Whalers. It wasn't Whalers. We have uh, some some of the local poachers. They heard that uh, we're here on behalf of Buscarone. And they're like, hey. If Busk wants us to do this, uh, old Busky wants us to, to wants you to do this, we're definitely going to help out. So cool. All right. We got our own team now and it is a fight. Um, so we, we fight the Imperials with our Red Belly and Curl Claw friends. Yeah. So we fight through a few waves of Imperials. They're not very tough. Um, they're just add quality Imperials. But Laurentius, though, is very tanky. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And during the fight, first off, we are fighting the enemy with the red belly poachers only. Then halfway through, the curl claws show up. Laurentius starts yelling about how the high and mighty Imperials are being beat by some rando adventurer and a bunch of criminals. Well, yeah, because he was very in his little speech uh, before the fight started. Uh, he mentioned that really, I don't know, you know, why people are trying to. I don't understand how the city-states or Gordanians or whoever think they have any chance against the Garleans. They have piles of money. They've got the tech. Like, these guys are a force to be reckoned with. We really just need to, like, sit down and label them as our new overlords, and then we're all going to be... Everything will be gravy. But seeing us and a bunch of rando poachers come together and defeat this little Garlean... It's not a platoon. A platoon is huge. No, there, there are like military terms for a like. There's like a battalion. I don't have that ready for Anyway, it's a handful. We'll call it a handful. This made him. It gave him some food for thought. Laurentius is very tanky. The damage is pretty minimal that you, you're taking here, but he will spam cure on himself mm-hmm. nonstop. So you need your buddies, your backups, help to actually make progress on his health bar. Because he's just self-healing so much. Yeah. It's kind of interesting because the ads are not really a threat to you, but they are distracting your allies. Right. So you want to kill the ads to free up your allies. So then your combined DPS with the poachers is enough to actually get past the cures that Laurentius is spamming. Yeah. It's a it's a unique impetus to deal with the ads. Normally yep. you deal with them just because they're they're adding more damage to they're they're inflicting more damage on you, but this time you're like, I literally need you guys to go away because I need my my pals back. Yeah. So, um, interesting. But yeah, after after we def- you know we defeat everybody, Laurentius is like, man, uh, you know that that uh, that you and, and two disparate factions of poachers can come together and and deal with this all on Buscarone's orders. He's like, I got some soul searching to do, and I will confess to my crimes, and I can't believe I was sucked into this, and blah, blah, blah. And then he goes off and apparently does turn himself in. And when we report back to Buscaron, he confirms that Laurentius did indeed turn himself in, and he gives us some backstory. Mm-hmm. He's mm-hmm. had a hard life. His mother was killed by a brigand, 
and Laurentius joined the Wood Whalers while young, hoping to do some good in the world. However, he realized how little difference one person can make, and so he turned to despair. Right, or at least, if he can't help the world, he'll certainly help himself. But there is now some good news. The Sylph Elder has been spotted at last. <laughs> and at this point, Ida and Papalimo, who have been loitering outside the bar the entire time, mm-hmm. they, they come inside. Well, I mean, yeah, before we were just running errands for Buscarone, so why do they give a fuck? They could have helped us scour the countryside for this one kicker. They could have helped. Well, that <laughs> fucking that too. But I mean, I I guess I mean I I would feel bad like hey guys I'm looking for a Kikirin as a personal favorite to Buscarone like look there's you know let's just keep one person on that I'm sure Papalimonita have very important diplomatic issues to attend to like hanging out outside the bar Scion business man drinking meat move along evidently the elder was sighted outside the entrance to the abandoned dungeon Todorak. This is a literal dungeon for prisoners in this case. Yes. And right then, an injured sylph named Noraxia comes flying in, pleading for help. She says the elder has gone inside the dungeon, fleeing Imperials that were chasing him. And Noraxia looks different from all the other sylphs. She has a like a maple leaf on her face. Yeah, it's like a face mask, but it has eyes, so it must be her face. The eye cutouts. It might be her face. I don't think so. I think it's a mask. Could be. Yeah, because there's only cutouts for eyes. You don't see a mouth or anything. And the other sylphs clearly have mouths. Fair. Um, but the cutouts for her eyes are like in a like a, like a sad eye shape. So she just has this perma like concerned look because of this mask that she's wearing. Yeah, so Ida and Papalimo are going to tend to her wounds while we go and enter this dungeon. Dungeon time, baby. The dungeon itself isn't too far away from the Druthers. It's marked by some mossy steps leading up to a wooden door set into a stone wall. Mm -hmm. The dungeon itself is a series of tunnels that wind through the cliffs that separate South Shroud from the northern areas of the Black Shroud. There is a single guard stationed outside meant to keep people from wandering into the dungeon. We tell him that the Sylph Elder is inside, though, and apparently he somehow missed a Sylph being chased by Imperials. Everyone's got to, you know, pee, man. This must be like the most boring job. I'm sure he goes oh, for like yeah. weeks here with nothing happening. But so let's just assume he was peeing and sure. that's when all the commotion took place. We assemble a rescue party of scions and head inside. Totorak, or its full name, the Thousand Maws of Totorak, is an abandoned prison. It was named after a monster of legend, but it's really just a big old school type dungeon. And its conditions were so bad that the... Elder Seedseer declared it barbaric and closed it down permanently. Good for her. I mean, as far as dungeons go, if you are like on the upper levels of this dungeon as a prisoner, you could do worse. It's kind of gorgeous in there. You're missing like the horrific treatment and the well, lack I, of food. I, I'm not addressing those things. Aesthetically, I mean, a dungeon's a dungeon. <laughs> a dungeon's a dungeon, like whatever. So like, you're, the conditions you're are a, horrible, you're but having a bad time. It's a dungeon. But aesthetically, it's, it's beautiful. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Of course, maybe some of that gorgeousness is because it's been unpopulated for a while. So now it's like overgrown and that that's why it's pretty now. Yes. Um, it's just completely covered in like um, carnivorous plants, glowing carnivorous plants. Um, and in the upper levels, you will have uh, like an oculus that allows the sunlight from up above to filter down. And you have these pools of water and large 
old growth root structures extending out through the whole place. And um, it's just lovely. It's otherworldly. In the, the dark areas with no natural light, it's just like cut stone covered in moss and lichen. Mm-hmm. But when you get to these clefts in the ceiling, that's when you start getting the real growth there. And then in the second stretch, we get the bioluminescent plants. So this time, because I went with the uh, the cyan NPCs, I was able to read the notes that were tacked up along the way for the first time ever. Normally, though, people will generally be patient with you if you want to read something. I, I know it feels bad to stop a group of players to say, I want to read this little note. Right. They're not very long. but Oh, um, no, it's, it's like two sentences. In general, though, people don't seem to, to care if you want to pause and read. I've never I've never done that. The only time I've ever stopped to read a thing was in Sestasha, when you stop and you read the notes and what color to push. Sure. Anyway, though, this is another dungeon that received a huge overhaul recently. Mm-hmm. In its older form, you had to hunt down these little glowy power cells to activate seals that would then unlock the way to proceed in the dungeon. This often required backtracking because there weren't enough cells down a given route to actually power the thing. And then the final stretch was this terrible goo-covered tunnel that inflicted the heavy debuff, which slows your movement speed to a crawl. And you'd just be like slogging through the goo, and then you'd be sucked down the tunnels by these vacuum webs yeah. that would then seal behind you and split the party. And yep, then, and then you have to beat down the web. And-, and all the while, all these eggs are popping up with... These little mites coming out of them. It's novel, novel the first time, sure. But when you get this in a roulette, though, that last stretch Ugh. is a huge pain. Just the slow. Yeah. Just, it's such a pain in the ass. All that's gone now. It's amazing. It's so much more streamlined. But they didn't lose anything. They didn't lose anything. You still get some of that goo in the in the boss arena. but I personally don't love the, the single path dungeon design. It just feels like you're, you're in a tunnel. Sure. In this case, you are literally, but either way, though, it feels like there's a lack of space with that design philosophy. Uh, yeah, I can, I can see that. Anywho, so there are three notes in the dungeon, and it's just basically just notes of like a previous expedition. Like, right. Um, you know, we found some. These are from First Spear Rydell, mm-hmm. who is leading a party down here to clear out the stuff that had moved in after the um, the prison system had moved out. Mm-hmm. It starts off optimistic, and then they have hard times, and then they have then bad they bail. times. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, oh yeah, these are all diarmite egg sacks. Uh, fuck this. Good luck to any future ex- explorers. So we head in, right away we get struck by this overgrown dungeon interior, and we can see ahead there's like a river running through the dungeon itself, like a little more of a stream running through the dungeon. Mm -hmm. And then we get face down with our first enemies right away, which are the little winged lizards, Pucks, Mm -hmm. and the seed spitter guys. Oh, the kid traps? Yeah. They're seed volleys. Assholes. At first, my, uh, my scion marauder? He was being annoying at first because he would grab the first two and then the Ked Trap would be like non-aggroed. Well, it'd be aggroed, but it would be like way off in the distance. And so I'm like, hey, man, <laughs> I would try to walk to the Ked Trap so he could get all the mobs in one spot because the Ked Trap can't move. It can move. 
it doesn't need to because it spits seeds from a distance. Right. So the you know the, the little NPC tank wasn't wasn't doing that. So I would just have to put the ketchup to sleep because it was just like destroying my health. Because <laughs> so sleep, kill these two things, and then finally, yeah. Anyway, but eventually he got it. Eventually he. he I was having it out. issues with the tank too. Actually, the NPC tank. Mm-hmm. Yeah, everything would aggro me first, but then he would pull them off. I, but I, I, you know, I, I don't expect too much out of the AI. But it, it did learn throughout the dungeon that eventually it would run to the Ked trap. It would run to the stationary thing and gather everybody together. So I'm like, yay. But nobody has an AOE, so whatever. The the tanks do at this point. Well, then. <laughs> so we press on past the first pack of enemies and run into some mites. These are little crab looking bugs. Crab looking? Yeah. They're like a they're like a crab scorpion spider combo. Well, the mites don't have a tail. Oh, the little the little little what are they called? They're not called baby mites. They're they're not called, called just mites. Oh. Um, in this case, cell mites because they're in the prison cells. But yeah, they're very cute. I love them. They're little eyeballs. And we press on to our first boss, the curl o nine tails, which is actually a giant ochu. Yeah, not the a four leaved walking plant critters. But I'm assuming that its big spiny vines are the Cat Nine Tails. This fight, though, is pretty basic. Just a generic tank and spank with a, a poison AoE. It'll fart a poison cloud out, which you cannot cure. Mm-mm. It ticks down for a mm-hmm. small amount of damage, and then it's dead. So we press on further through the dungeon and start running now into smaller Ochus named Warden's Whips and Toadstool enemies called Prisoner's Delight. Oh, yeah, because you know they were eating these things getting high as hell. I assumed it was like for food or maybe it was for <laughs> for drugs or for both. Maybe both. Why not both? I mean, I, the name Delight does have a connotation. Sure. And then there's the prison puddings, food or enemy. Don't know. After that stretch, though, we hit the second boss, which is another curl of nine tails. The twist being, though, that partway through the fight, some of the little... Ochus come out and join the fight. Yep. You know, standard ad tactics, we nothing fancy. Yep. And then there's the final stretch of the dungeon. This part is extremely webbed up. We've been seeing a few webs here and there so far, but now we're at the point where the whole interior is now just getting covered with these thick ropey webs. Mm-hmm. We can see on the floor and on the walls, there are egg sacs perched there, ripe to burst. Yep. It's pretty gross. And all along the way here, throughout the dungeon, we've passed by um, several like little prison cells, which are maybe like a six by six chamber, roughly, that you can duck into. And there's like a wooden bed and a, a, maybe like a chamber pot or whatever. Yeah. Bedpan. It looks more like a uh, those the, the tall clay urn-like vessels that you put wine in. Piss amphora. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Uh, chamber amphora. But one of these cells has a map pin on it. And if you go in there, a little baby yeah. title card pops up. Sir Achiforn of the High Tides Cell. Yeah. This was very odd that one of these cells was named. Uh-huh. So I looked up this person and it turns out this is an Easter egg for the OG 1.0 players. Oh, wow. Because Sir Achiforn had taken advantage of crop failures back in the day and he bought up the remaining supplies of flour trying to corner the market. And the old player characters had to go and track him down in his lair and accost him. Hmm. So this was where he was imprisoned before hmm. the prison got shut down. Wow. That's cool. He got his comeuppance. He did. 
we finally approach the final chamber. Uh, we head down a tunnel so thick with webs that it squelches underfoot. Ew. And the final area is absolutely filthy with webs. You can't see the walls for how thick they are in this chamber. Yeah. And there are massive egg sacs hanging down from the walls and ceiling that have split open and are pouring forth this viscous glowing green goo. Yep. Sticky stuff. Mayhap I might if I deign to speak in my guest cruel tongue. We meet at last. So as we approach the threshold into the boss arena, we find someone standing there. And it is our black-robed, masked friend, the Asian, who turns to us and, uh, you know, addresses us, uh, the slayer of Ifrit. But he's, he's uh, using the Asian tongue. Uh, the slayer of Ifrit, by your countenance, I can tell that you understand me. And for some reason, he decides to change to the common tongue. Um, he, he marks us as having the echo and so mm-hmm. that we can understand him. So he's like, what's the point right. of monologuing to myself when I can monologue to you? Great. And your own tongue. Right. So he, yeah, he, so he, he understands that we have this ability. But did you note, Jen, that when you first start the conversation, there's a heartbeat sound of the echo and Heidelin says darkness. Yes. Yes. Um, darkness. And there will be a couple other moments while, okay. So this is La Habrea. He introduces himself finally. And he knows of the echo, and this ability of ours is all that stands in his way to introduce darkness uh, to uh, Heidelin once again, or once and for all, something. He's he's the only thing standing between between us and total darkness is the echo. Great, and he means to destroy the Mother Crystal as well. This will be the end of our tale and the beginning of another. The tale of the crystal's demise. Oh, shit. Nuh-uh. And Heidelin kind of, you know, breaks through once again and, and hear, feel, evil. Like, yes, Heidelin, I got, I got, I'm getting that vibe. I'm picking up what you're putting down. During this conversation with La Habrea, he blasts a mite that's crawling on the webs. He just like shoots it with a beam of dark energy. And then he goes on to talk to us. Right when he's wrapping up his villainous speech, a massive dire mite comes crashing down on the arena. This little mite that got mutated by his dark magics. been embiggened. And then that's when La Habrea pieces out. Cool. He's like, yeah, now you get to fight this guy. This mite is Grafias. Grafias was king shit of his place. The apex predator before La Habrea zooped him full of dark energy and made him bigger and shittier than before. <laughs> He's pretty shitty. Yeah. And Diarmites are the the big purple scorpion guys. Love them. Yep. Oh, I think they're so cool looking. They're just kind of adorable in a weird way. And this is probably the most complicated fight in the game so far. It's yeah. actually got a lot going on. Yeah. Graphius has some standard area of effect telegraphs, mm. and then he will sometimes throw a flesh pot on the ground, which will then explode after a short time, yep. poisoning nearby characters. He also summons the adds more dire mites. He does like a web shoot, Yep, which is a, I think that's like a knockback. 
And he can also drop a big persistent damage puddle on the ground. Mm -hmm. Partway through the fight, his tail becomes targetable as a separate entity. And if you break his tail, this gives Grafias a vulnerability debuff so you can burst him. Yeah. But in my fight, though, the tank wouldn't pull him out of the fucking damage puddle. He was just hanging out in that goddamn puddle. And I was playing melee DPS. So I'm like, okay, (laughs) either I stand in the shit. And I can do some damage, or I can throw Spam my spear. Spam your one AOE, yeah. I can throw or my your, spear from a distance. Your range attack. Same, same Z's, yeah. So um, I guess, yes, and as somebody who is is trying to level tank, doing this, this and um, Brave Flock's long stop, I think, are um, the two that you need a little bit more tank experience to kind of manage where to where to park the boss. They so actually that- changed the Brave Flock's mechanic. So it, it was like this fight yeah where the um they would drop like this poisonous aoe that would linger and the tank would have to pull it out of that spot and make sure there was still like open arena in which you could fight the thing so that's what you're doing here but um if you're doing it with the with the npcs they're probably just going to hang out in the shit and take some damage so yeah i had to spend a lot of my time healing uh less dps and also the uh the other dps guys were just also kind of standing in the explosion aoe's just hang. I'm like, God, God damn it, you guys. Does that make you feel better about your tanking, Jen? I mean, that's a low bar, man. <laughs> Got to clear something. I mean, yes. Like, but I mean, what what does that mean? Like, well, at least I'm not as bad as a as a robot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Great. It's great. I'm doing great. Jen's beat the machines. Woo! Stupid, stupid fucking robot. I'm so much better at tanking <laughs> than you fucking stupid idiot. There was some of that in my head, yes. As usual, though, you want to... Close the fight out with your melee LB, if possible, Mm -hmm. limit break. Mm -hmm. Mine dropped like 20% of his health with the tier one limit break. Sweet. Yep. Good deal. Good job. So when the fight's over, a little web pod on the ceiling twitches and falls down. And out bursts Frixio, the Sylph Elder. So Frixio the Elder. My goodness. We've been looking all over for you. And this this is a very classic grandma looking elder um with kind of the, the chubby cheeks and the little, the little glasses the little readers and well his little readers and the all of the sylphs have like a little hair wrap like a man bun on top of their heads and um frixio's is the supreme it's like a man bun beehive, it is a it's like it's like an ancient fantasy tower like it just it like spirals up and up and up and it's easily taller than he is um and other than that he looks pretty much like all the other sylphs with his uh, the little the little dress and the hands and the feet and whatever but it has like the the old grandma face with little glasses and the the hella hair hair quote unquote and he's like whoo finally some fresh air well, it's not that fresh, but it's fresher than it was, you know. So immediately this guy has a really pleasant countenance, um, despite the circumstances. And he's like, you know, thank you for rescuing me. This is amazing. Um, yes, I would like to talk to you, but let's get the fuck out of here first. But as he's thanking us, we get an echo flashback. We mm-hmm. jump back to seeing a band of Imperials entering Little Solace. So what we see is a centurion and some uh, Garlean soldiers walking up. Apparently, they've been scouting around the area and they're just reporting on what they've found. And like, we've, we have found um, nothing. So they're, what they are looking for, apparently, is uh, signs of the icon Ramu, 
and uh, Signs of the Elder. Um, and no such luck on, on both fronts. And this is when uh, Nero, swoon, <laughs> walks up and addresses everybody. Um, and the centurion confirms, no, we have not been able to find the elder, nor any trace of uh, their summon or their icon. And uh, to emphasize the fact that these guys are baddies, uh, Nero asks about, well, what about the sylphs that we captured? And the centurion responds that uh, maybe their interrogation techniques were a little heavy handed and we have... We no longer have that as an option. I think actually what they were doing was they were trying to torture or terrorize the sylphs into summoning Ramu. Yes. Not interrogating them, but trying well, to make them. Yes, it was, uh, you know, a quote unquote interrogation. And uh, it's apparently just right before dawn. Uh, of course, they're doing this stuff in the in the middle of the night. And uh, Nero mentions that the sun's about to come up. We got a bail. They leave, but then he has a little moment where he's talking to himself. But quotes his rival, Sid Garland. Was it Sid or Sid yes. or? Yes, Sid. Okay. Though it mean bringing down the very heavens, who shall challenge the limits of possibility if not we? But also he takes a stab at Sid too in the same breath, saying, your star is long fallen while mine doth begin to rise. Mm-hmm. It shall burn so bright that Lord von Belzar's ultimate weapon will seem a mere candle beside it. In that same scene, there are two sylphs that have been watching him. Um, and it's Frixio and... Noraxia. Is it Noraxia? Okay. Yeah. And Noraxia is like, see, the walking ones are all bad. They're all evil. These are terrible people. And Frixio, being the wise elder, is like, no, 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 you cannot judge all walking ones the same way. Some of them are good. This was very frustrating to me because last time in Little Solace, the sylphs were like, we can't talk to you because the elder says not to talk to the walking ones. But now that we actually have the elder here, he's like, yeah, you're all right, because I can tell the difference between these political groups of people. Where did this whole runaround bullshit come from last time? Because the elder is capable of distinguishing us. He's not being bigoted or short-sighted or closed-minded, even though all the shit last time was blamed on him giving this commandment to the sylphs. It is possible that while the elder was gone, um, the the sylphs that were kind of left, quote-unquote, in charge, probably exercising a a greater modicum of caution. Sure, but they, they tell us the elder said not to talk to the walking ones. And he may, he may have said that just as like a general, until we figure out what the fuck is going on, just try to keep your communication to a minimum, maybe. I mean, that might be the case. Anywho. Now we're back in the present. And this is when the elder says we should return to Little Solace and speak more there. Yeah, let's get the fuck out of here. But we've got to swing by the Druthers first before we head back to Sylphland. Mm-hmm. Back at the Druthers, and we're filling in Buscarone on everything that's gone down. And he says, I have a gift for the Sylphs, if you could deliver it to them, please. So this is this is like Buscarone kind of acting as like general, like, you know, South Shroud ambassador. So what he has is a, a bottle of Azima Rose oil. And he's proffering it as a symbol of hope that... By working together and joining the strength of Gridanian and Sylph, we will see the end of this darkness, uh, secure the, the the health and the future of the Twelve's Wood and everybody who lives in it. It's like, this is a, it is, it's a lot to, you know, that, that bottle of rose oil is doing a lot of fucking heavy lifting, okay? 
but just an incredible gesture and the meaning behind it is is pretty heavy so we take it to offer to Fixio when we um, well we don't we don't take it to Fixio we take it to the first fucking self we see okay <laughs> 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 hey rando um we find uh, a self named uh, Nolexia and we give her the rose oil and she's like this is beautiful thank you it's not for you okay all right um Bye, and then then we go talk to Kamuxio, who is like, I shall summon the elder for you, and out of nowhere, Frixio flies down, um, welcoming us. And, and Papalimo and Ida. They, they they pop out of the bushes. Yeah, they, they weren't... They they could have been, like, two of the NPCs that went with us in the dungeon, you know? How cool would that have been? I, I don't know why they just give you generic randos versus actually, like, story characters in these dungeons. I, I agree... It would make perfect sense to have these two there. You got two DPS on deck mm-hmm. for you. You're going into the dungeon. Obviously, most players are going to be probably leveling like a DPS. You know, just that's just the math. Then so then they would pick. It would be you would preclude those players from being a DPS, and they'd have to switch to a healer or a tank role. You get to pick if you want Poplima or Ida, and then you get two generic scions like support. Oh, I see. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Well, then there's no excuse. That's what happens later on. Yeah, the... you, you can mix and match. Yeah. Yeah, totally. But that would have been that would have been cool, and there could have been some, like, you know, flavor text going on I and some little conversations agree. between them. Uh, yep. Missed opportunity. That's all right. Whatever. All right. So, um... Frixio recounts that the Imperials had noticed him spying and chased him into Todorak, where he ran into the Yassian. And that's where we met up just now. Yep. So we give him the Seed Seer's letter of peace again, and Frixio notes our concerns about Ramu being summoned. He says the Sylphs summoned the Primal once recently to defend against the Imperials against Frixio's wishes, and Ramu tempered all of these summoning Sylphs. Yep. Frixio wants to return these guys to normal, but he doesn't know how. Mm-hmm. And that's why the untempered Sylphs fled to Little Solace to escape being tempered themselves. But as long as the walking ones don't trespass in the sylph wood in Lark's Call, then Ramu won't be summoned again. Papalimo gives us some context here. Since Ramu is associated with ideals of protection and reconciliation, the tempering has warped these emotions and values into fierce territoriality on the part of the tempered sylphs and a desire to kidnap the tempered one so they can be brought into the tempered fold, therefore reconciling the gap. They don't know any better. They're trying to reunite the the sylphs. And of course, being tempered, that's really the only motivation they have. Um, The only like skill set they have, which is bad. But as far as motivations that a primal could, with which a a primal could poison your mind, um, that's not the worst one. Fair. Yeah. So Frixio kind of tells us the same thing. Like, really, you don't have to worry too much about Lord Ramu because, one, he, he's not cruel and callous. It's one of those, like, you know, you, you leave them alone, they'll leave you alone. You know, we're not interested in summoning, summoning him anytime soon. And our motivations are the same as yours. We want to maintain strong relations and, a, and peacefulness in the Twelves Wood. So as far as we're concerned, you know, we're not, we're not summoning shit. So... Take that to the bank. And we do. And we do. The Bank of the Scions. And that's when Ida and Papalimo head back to report to Menphilia. And we are going to report to Vorsai at the Adder's Nest before we also return. 
But next, a weird thing happens. Frixio uses our character's name. Yeah. In my case, he says, walking one shoe. Uh-huh. I was like, whoa. Why don't you can just call me Otis? Just call me Otis. You know, we're we're, we're past the walking one formality, okay? You just call, yeah, no, I, I was like, oh, oh. Frixio manifests a bright purple crystal and out of his adorable little sylph hands... I also love their their tiny little like bug feet. You know, if you look at like a like a little I don't know beetle or some kind, they have these like little these curly little feet that just seem to like, kind of like barely like doo, 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 doo. and that's like a silk foot. It's not like a leaf. It looks more like like a bug foot. Like a like a um. Anyway, they're super cute. Anyway, so out of these adorable little silk hands, there's a purple crystal, and it's the same um, size and shape as the bright orange crystal we got after defeating Ifrit, and the bright blue crystal we got... God, when the fuck did we get that? At the very beginning? Yeah. Hydaelyn gave that to us. So that was crystal number one. Ifrit was number two. Now we have this bright purple crystal. Um, this was from the uh, the first summoning of Lord Rabu. And as a gesture of trust, Frixio gives this to us. Right. So Ramu gifted the sylphs with this crystal. Mm-hmm. And now it's been passed on to us. Correct. As a sign that, like, I trust that you will be responsible with this and that we are not going to keep it and do nefarious things. It's more than that, because as we receive the crystal, we get another vision of this six-pointed circle Mm -hmm. with the crystal slotting into its place in the elemental Mm -hmm. wheel. Frixio tells us that he can see our warrior of lighthood. Yeah. Not a direct quote, but he he knew to give us the crystal because he knows that we need it. And we are, this is a quote, destined to walk a fate far crueler than he can imagine. So he has made us and he knows that this is something that we're going to need going forward. Yeah. Um, To keep it safe, you will need it in the future. And... You know, what what he saw as as we, you know, in our mind, traveled to the ethereal sea to deposit this new crystal into the sacred geometry, what Frixio sees in the real world is a brilliant light from within enveloping the crystal and absorbing it into our body, which is must be quite a sight. But with that, uh, we bid adieu and well he finally tells us that if there's ever any trouble going forward i swear it'll be the tempered sylphs and not the little saw sylphs fair yeah and if you want to spy on the other sylphs here's a place you can go and peep them without uh-huh. getting peeped back right so we get our free tutorial to the viewpoint um what is it called the the the, um... the sightseeing log uh, yes. system because we have to go now to the very border of Lark's Call and we slash look out and we can see some of the purple sylphs flitting about. Yep, they're just hanging out, doing their thing, ignoring us completely. We will have opened up, when we get back to Gridania in a minute, the blue quest which unlocks the proper sightseeing log. Yeah. Which is the exact same thing where you go somewhere and you look out or do some other emote and then if the stars are right, you get that in your log. And the log is kind of BS in A Realm Reborn, because on every other expansion, the sightseeing points are marked by little swirly blue balls. So you you go there and stand on the ball and then do the thing. Yeah, it's a vista. But in A Realm Reborn, you have only these very vague, descriptive, flowery clues. And further, beyond not knowing where to go exactly, because 
the descriptions are vague and there's no actual marker at these points that you need to sightsee from. They also can be time of day and weather locked. Yep. So you'll have to be at this unmarked point between this four hour window when it's cloudy out. Yep. Or fair out. Those are those are rare, but yeah, it's still um, like I, there's one I still haven't gotten um, in. Uh, it's not the stead. It's oh, summer summer fruit farms. Anyway. I have not bothered on my log at all. Like that's so low down on my list of to do's in this if game. I fa- if I come across it organically, then then no problem. But I don't go looking for these things. Anyway, um, so we can now do sightseeing if we want to. But back in the actual story, we report to Versailles at the Adder's Nest and we pass on Frixio's message. He, to his credit, because Versailles last time was like, we should go and attack the Sylphs preemptively. Right. And now he's like, maybe I'm glad that the science got involved here and we yeah, didn't start shit. Yeah. Now you don't have to worry about Ramu. We can all focus on Garuda. Yep. Just then, we get a ping on our link pearl. It's Minfilia. <gasps> Shocking. She asks us to pray return to the, to waking, the waking sands. sands. Why is it spooky? <laughs> I don't know. Okay. Anyway, that's where we'll call it for now. Next time, we'll be talking about the blacksmith job quest. Yay! I will have to suck that up and do it. You haven't done it yet? No! You've leveled plenty of shit. Not blacksmith or armor. Wow. Literally everything else. Incredible. Well, that'll do it for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, If you want to get in touch, you can. You can email us at podreturnffxiv at gmail.com or on the Twitter at podreturn. And with that, we really hope you enjoyed the episode and we will see you next time.